time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. There's one truth to us that is true every single day. We're all getting older, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, month by month, year by year, we're getting older. And Frankly, I'm not really fond of thinking of the alternative to that, so I'm happy to grow older, but what I don't want to do is get into the process of falling into some of the aging issues. And so what I'm trying to do in my own life is live as long as I can at the highest level possible. Well, one of the things that I often do to get there is look at the people who have researched it and also lived it. Today, I have the opportunity of talking to Dr. Ron Kaiser Ron is all of that. He's author of a book on aging. He's also aged himself, and he is an expert on how to make sure that you are working towards what he calls rejuvenating. He's 81 years old, and he leads a lifestyle that would be considered super active pretty much at any age. In addition to his full-time day job as a director of psychology at one of the world's leading headache centers, his other full-time job is creating innovative, positive approaches to helping people of all ages to maximize their potential for success and happiness. Along the way, he's developed the Mental Health Gym website and is the creator of the Goal Achieving Psychotherapy concept and also the concept of Type P Personality. A couple of books he's written include What Can Go Right, The Thinking Person's Guide to Making Good Things Happen, and the recently published and excellently written Rejuvenating, which is about the art and science of growing older with enthusiasm. Along with his work, along with all his writing and all the other activities, Ron also regularly works out at the gym, takes yoga classes, attends concerts, lectures, social and sporting events, and finds time to be a devoted husband and active father and grandfather. Today, we're going to be talking about a number of topics with Ron. We're going to be talking about some exercises you can do, some ways you can make sure that journey is happening happening for you. You might fall in the same thing that I see these days where you know, friends are beginning to fall to some of the avoidable aging issues. And so we're going to talk about those avoidable aging issues, some things we can't avoid. But what if we could avoid a lot of those other issues by focusing on three key areas that Ron and I will talk about? And we'll also talk about how to move into a rejuvenating mindset. So join me now as I have a conversation with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Ron, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited for you to share with the listeners um, a lot of your experience, but more than that, a lot of your plan and how to make sure that people get the most out of their life, given what they can. So you're a positive psychology guy. You're also an aging guy. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about how, I mean, obviously aging happens because, you know, that's what happens to us if we're if we're lucky. So let's talk some about how you got to here. Um, and uh, then we'll kind of dive into uh, some some stuff that you can share with people. Sure. First of all, thanks for having me, Lee. It's, uh, I'm a fan of yours and it's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, well, first of all, I can't hide the fact that I'm, I'm old, uh, but there's a difference in terms of how people handle the aging process. I think there really are about three things that got me to this journey of trying to help others to age pretty awesomely. Cause I think this is a great time of life. If I'd have known how, how much fun old age could be, I'd have, I'd have probably grown older faster if there was a way to do it. Uh, but I think it really started 
uh, when I had one of those doctor visits that you get as you get older, uh, I don't know whether it was a hearing test, colonoscopy, or something like that, and uh, the nurse asked me the question, what medications do you take? Not do you take any, but what medications do you take? And I, after a while, I began to wonder, why did I get so incensed about the question? I mean, it was a legitimate one. Uh, and I thought it's because she categorized me as fitting a, a particular profile, where um, for myself and some of my friends, that, that didn't fit. So that was one factor. Second, um, over the last couple of decades, I've seen a number of my friends make the decision of whether to retire, whether to keep working. Uh, and I saw some people that really just kind of opted out of life to a certain extent. They became too sedentary. They became uninterested in a lot of things. And one of the byproducts of that is the fact that they uh, began to get preventable diseases. Uh, in some cases, their quality of life really deteriorated. They became a lot more uninteresting socially because all they had to talk about was, was health. And some of them, unfortunately, had reduced longevity. So that was a major factor. And then as time evolved, I began to see what the contributions of positive psychology, uh, which isn't new to you with, with the emphasis on thriving, and uh, what we've learned from neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to continue to change, to grow, uh, to establish new neural pathways, new connections throughout life. There was a time we thought that the brain uh, kind of would start to decline after about age 30, and we know that doesn't have to be the case. Knowing this information, I kind of felt obligated to share it with others and to lead my life in a way that could hopefully inspire others to do so. So a little bit professionally, just, just so people know kind of where you're coming from. Professionally, um, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, I consider myself largely to be a health psychologist. Uh, since the mid-80s, I've been connected with uh, one of the major headache centers in the world, the Jefferson Headache Center, where I'm director of psychology. I work full-time. Um, again, my emphasis has been on positive psychology. I guess I don't have to tell your listeners that the difference between positive psychology and other psychologists is we're interested in not getting people from disease to neutral, but rather to help them to thrive, uh, to look at who the people are who are doing well, and to work on spreading that word. Uh, so that's been my emphasis uh, I've also tried to lead my life in a way that uh, enhances my ability to stay healthy. Uh, my wife and I go to several uh, concert and lecture series. I go to the gym three days a week in addition to taking a yoga class. I still don't take any medication, so I, I haven't been able to find that nurse again to remind her, but after all these years, I don't. And, and I, I'm not opposed to it. If it, It's a legitimate thing if you need it. But uh, there's a lot of things you can do to not emphasize illness as a party, as a central part of your life. You know, I had the same same thing. So I'm uh, this week I'll be 53, and I had the same experience uh, last time at the doctor. The nurse came in and said, "Well, give me a list of your medications." I said, "No medications," and she said, "No, no. I mean, what medications do you take on a regular basis?" I said, "I don't take anything on a regular <laughs> basis." She said, "You don't take anything?" I said, "Well, I take some vitamins and some supplements, but..." 
I don't have a prescription. And, uh, and I, I realized that she and I were, she was not believing that I was on no medication, which made me wonder, you know, everybody else my age that she's encountering, she's making an assumption, which, um, so you've got some years on me. Uh, and <laughs> so even more so, I'm sure you had a hard time convincing her. Yeah. And, and I had uh, another nurse later on who, when I answered the same way, she just kind of assumed that I misheard the question. She said, not even for blood pressure or cholesterol, mm -hmm. as if, you know, just like when you're 21, you, uh, you're able to drink. It's like maybe you reach the fifties and you're finally able to take a statin or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, the, the question to me was equivalent of, uh, if somebody were to ask, well, what brand of cigarettes do you smoke? Not, not do you smoke or not? Uh, nowadays, nobody would think of asking that as uh, before establishing whether a person is a smoker. But yeah, this, uh, I mean, you, you should be more incensed than me. I, I think I was about 60 when it first happened about 20 years ago. Well, I guess my reason for not was because she didn't know me at all. So yeah. what was interesting to me was there is the built-in assumption, you know, at my age, the built-in assumption right. was you should be on something, which tells me not so much just like you, uh, if, if you need meds, that's an important thing to take care of. Um, but why do we have that as a built-in assumption? How, how, how much of this is preventable. Um, how much of this are uh, kind of lifestyle issues? Someday I may be on medication and, you know, I want to be able to accept that as a necessary part to, you know, to keep me moving. But so it's for, same for me. It's the assumptions that we have. So you also talk some about this, um, your friends opting out, basically opting out of life. I think that's the term you used uh, when it came to retirement. Um, I, I suspect that you're the same thing I am, that someone might decide not to be involved professionally doing something, but that's different than having to disengage with life. Can you talk some about how to engage in life? Sure. Uh, there's really good science now that proves that uh, if you continue to move forward and grow in three main areas, the health and fitness area, the intellectual functioning area, and the social involvement area. And I always tell people you get bonus points for doing good for other people as, as part of the social involvement. If you can stay active in those areas, whether you're working or not, in other words, somebody like myself is pretty intellectually involved with work in addition to other things that we, we do. But um, you don't have to be, if you choose to retire, and I think that's a, certainly a legitimate choice, but it's only one of a number of choices, uh, then it's important to focus on what am I doing to improve my health and fitness. I don't do that uh, by sitting on the couch and watching TV uh, on a regular basis. Uh, I don't do that by uh, not getting out to concerts, lectures, ball games, uh, and I don't do that by avoiding involvements with, with younger people, which I think is one of the critical things in keeping us young. Not just our kids and grandchildren, but people who can uh, convey to us the fact that we're, we're meaningful to them and they, they respect us too. I love this. You know, I've talked to people as they're retiring and I'm like, you know, can you think of this as retooling? Cause you know, retiring mm -hmm. is, has a, a connotation. I'm going to yeah. hit the uh, lounge chair and, and that'll be it. I'll watch life go by. Retooling though means you're going to be setting up for the rest. So let's, can we just, kind of go through these three key areas and, and maybe some suggestions you would provide for people on 
how to key in. Let's start, the first one you said health and fitness. So, you know, two different groups. You have those who have always kind of had their eyes on you know being in shape and being active, and then you have those who maybe that got crowded out through work, through life, and so now they're facing um, uh, not just retirement, but later part of life that. You know, you might be getting some benefit from doing that. What What are some ways that people can start the process, keep this process going? Well, the first thing I like to let people know is that it doesn't necessarily start out easy. You know, it's kind of uh, among health and fitness is sometimes people reach uh, the the senior years and they're overweight. I mean, much of the country is 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 overweight. Uh it's impossible to go on a diet without be feeling hungry sometime. But I always like to point out to people they haven't, some of them haven't considered the alternative. Uh, if you're hungry between meals, uh, you can also stay hungry for another hour or two. And that, that's a very legitimate thing. I think it's the same thing with respect to, say, going to the gym. Uh, first of all, I encourage people to start out slowly. If you've been away from it, uh, get evaluated by your physician. And it may just be a matter of taking a, a walk for a few blocks for a few times a week and gradually build up to it. Uh, again, when you get there, if you go to a gym, if you begin to exercise at home, if you begin to use muscles that, that you're not used to, uh, there may be some some achiness. Uh, and that's, that's usually not terrible. There's a difference between achiness and pain. Uh, and I think that's if you're injuring yourself, that's one thing. But if you gradually increase, uh, you, you necessarily will do things uh, that will help you. Uh, and then there's a lot of other just everyday kinds of things to not necessarily look for the closest parking space in a parking lot just so you get more steps in. Uh, my office is on the second floor. There is an elevator that runs up there, but I don't take it. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that if you begin to consciously think about it, uh, I made the statement that aging is not a spectator sport. And it's, you know, if if you're in a sport that's that's competitive when you're younger, you know, you practice, you think about it, you try and do things to make yourself better. And I think you want to make yourself the most awesome person you can at, at any age. So that's it in the, the health and fitness area as a start. Yeah, that's a great, I, I love that because a lot of people either avoid it because they don't know what to do or they jump in full force and suddenly they're going, wait, what happened? I thought I was supposed to feel good and I feel awful now. So um, just to highlight some of those, start slow. Um, it doesn't have to be, you, you don't have to train for a marathon to walk for you know, 10, 15 minutes. Um, expect some discomfort. It's interesting, you, you you, used, you talked about food, and, and sometimes I think that we have equated uh, habit with hunger. You know, we're just used to grabbing whatever, and we've also uh, come to believe that like a tummy rumbling means that it's time to eat again, rather than the fact is that a tummy rumbling is part of digestion. <laughs> just, it's right. just part of the process. So uh, allowing for some discomfort, uh, and I love the fact that you distinguish uh, aching versus actually being in pain that that if it's pain that's a different matter but just achy is 
is it achy shows that it's working you know <laughs> in other words you're using some new muscles and we also sometimes i've talked with people who who jump in feel a little bit sore and go well if i'm going to always feel this way then i'm not going to do it rather than recognizing that's a transitional phase while your body is retooling getting used to that that change the other important thing was um well one was making some small changes um, like parking further away that creates some space for that movement. But two is making sure that at the start you're getting a doctor to say, yeah, you're, you're good to go. Yes. And I think that, uh, one of the things you can also do is begin to observe, uh, others, you know, in other words, uh, a big chunk of the population that goes to the gym are not, uh, we're not doing it because we're crazy that we're subjecting ourselves to something that, uh, that, that we don't enjoy. If you can get past that initial discomfort stage, uh, I imagine you have the same experience I do. If I, if I miss a couple of days because of uh, travel or illness or something like that, um, I feel a whole lot worse about not working out than working out. And, you know, so I think that should be kind of an incentive you know, in much the same way as when we were in college, uh, you know, the stuff was hard. But if you look at some people who are doing very nicely with their lives, having gone through that major, then maybe it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doing some tough stuff on the front side sometimes helps you on the back side for sure. Sure. Okay. Let's talk about intellectual as another area. Okay. First of all, I think that, uh, for many people, their jobs are intellectually stimulating. Um, and so one of the things I've uh, pointed out is sometimes a, a part-time you is better than uh, better for your employer and for yourself than if uh, they have a full-time somebody else or you are fully retired. So one of the uh, things I encourage people to look at are there ways that either on your current job or in something that you may transition to where just on a daily basis you get stimulated intellectually. Secondly, I, I, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's all, already read all the books that they intended to read throughout their, their life. I don't think that uh, I've met anybody who, if you ask them, is there something you wish you could learn if you could go to an adult class or learn a new skill or something along those lines. I don't think anybody has said, I'm, you know, I'm saturated. There's, there's nothing that I, I can do. I mean, there's some people who you have to convince that it's worth it uh, as opposed to, to being a couch potato. But I, I think if you just do an honest self-assessment and say, if, if it was easy to do, what would I like to, to learn or keep doing? Um, and I think, then it becomes a matter of, of making it work. You know, I, I think that the notion that uh, I, I wrote a book a few years ago called What Can Go Right, uh, The Thinking Person's Guide to Making Good Things Happen. I think if you begin to meet challenges with that question, how can I make it work? Uh, what can go right? Uh, you'd be surprised how many solutions you may find. I also think that there are uh, uh, a few other just general guidelines, uh, you know, stay in touch with with mentally stimulating people. Uh, try to uh, make sure that if you're out with a friends or uh, another couple uh, or two other couples, try to not make the dinner conversation 
relate around illness. You know, the uh, I've had this this non-scientific observation that when you get six older people together, one of them is going to drive the conversation to illness. And I think just staying alert to how can I divert that conversation? What have I learned lately? What are some things that are interesting me uh, that, that can help in that regard? I think also there's there's some other real simple things with respect to critical thinking, like not locking into one TV channel. These days, uh, you can listen to uh, a politically oriented channel all day and not hear a, a, a different view than the, the dominant one on there. I think the notion of just how am I activating my brain and stimulating it to learn more things, think about it, there, there are lots of things we can do in the day. You know, it's interesting. One of the things I've noticed about that, the bubble we create, you know, where everybody around us has the same view, whether it's about, well, it's time to get sick or, you know, it's uh, the, the politics or the whatever it is. You know, we, we find that we create a bubble and then we find people um, that confirm that. Well, that's the confirmation bias piece, which means that we're then thinking that everybody else who has a different opinion must be in a minority and they must be you know wrong. And so part of our process is, is to be willing to challenge. And, and what we know brain chemistry-wise, and you can talk a little bit about this, is that um, we get a shot of dopamine when we feel like our beliefs are confirmed, which is part of the fun of having people who agree with us. But what most people don't realize is you can also get a shot of dopamine by learning something new, by having that challenge and having to puzzle through it. And either one is a dopamine load. It's just that one keeps you in a very small bubble and the other expands your bubble and gives you more resources. Um, you can add to that if you want to, or we can. Well, I, I just might point out, I, I see it very similar to uh, some of the people that I see at the gym who, uh, if you see them six months later, they're still doing the same exercises at the same level and so on, so that their body hasn't changed as much as it could. And I see the same thing with respect to the mind. Yeah, you're probably better off watching uh, a political show than some kind of mindless comedy, but it doesn't expand your your mind and your thinking as much as if you're open to a broad range of, of opinions and ideas. Yeah, so we're talking about this growth model, and, and it's true for our body, it's true for our mind, that if if we don't either up the intensity or add something new, uh, both get used to where we are and get stuck in a pattern. So true for body, true for mind. Yeah, in, in other words, you've got to be moving in those directions. It's very difficult to keep moving and be active and be depressed at the same time. It's very uh, difficult to get less healthy because you're doing more. You know, you do more, you get more healthy. So I want to go through this, the last one, social, and then I want to come back and, and uh, I'd love to hear kind of what you do in yourself in each of the categories. Just as, And I, I can talk some about that too, just to, to give some people some ideas, some thoughts about how that happens. Not to say, hey, look at us, we've done this, as much as to say, here are some ways that we've done it that aren't, aren't big, aren't hard. So before that, let's go ahead and jump into the other key area of social. Yeah. Um there is really good science at this point that points out that social involvement is one of the things that has helped us to grow and develop as a species. Um, and uh, at, at an extreme, there's now finding that findings that 
loneliness is right up there with uh, uh, obesity, smoking, and a sedentary lifestyle in terms of affecting mortality, uh, affecting longevity, that uh, it's very important. We are social beings, and it's very important to be involved with others. Uh, one of the, and I know some people have a history of being introverted and their job may have kind of structured things so they could have social involvement. And then if they retire, they don't have that. Uh, again, it's, uh, it might be uncomfortable, but I always encourage people to join organizations. Uh, volunteering has some really positive stuff for the brain. Uh, there, there are some dramatic uh, studies that have been shown that, that the helper often gets more benefit than uh, the person that they're trying to help in terms of personal positive feedback. So that um, we really want to encourage this. Uh, it's more difficult now than, than before, uh, just simply because you've got more reasons that you can stay in. Uh, it's TV, the internet, and texting is not the same thing as face-to-face -face interacting. I really have to encourage people to do that. But just the, the fact that we've got those diversions shouldn't detract from the fact that we also have lots of opportunities. Lots of organizations need volunteers. A lot of times volunteering is an easy way to meet other people because there is a structure for doing that. And, I, and in some cases, uh, we can dovetail on, on the other things I've mentioned. Uh, taking a class helps you uh, intellectually, but also brings you in contact with others. Uh, the gym is often a social place where uh, people will help each other. Uh, you know, and, and again, you don't have to be a major social butterfly, but having the social connections is is real important and uh, does affect the brain chemistry just like the other things do. It actually rewires the brain, as you, you talked about. Yeah, and I love the fact that you bring up this difference between uh, what I would refer to as introversion versus isolation. Introversion is a way of dealing with energy. You know, if I'm mm. if you're an introvert and uh, you're tapped out, you have to find some quiet space. But my experience mm -hmm. is that even introverts, um, it's usually about not being with a lot of people, but they might like to be with one or two people. And it's, it's a different mm -hmm. thing versus isolating, which is a problem with uh, later in life for sure, that people tend to isolate, especially maybe they've lost a spouse, lost friends, mm -hmm. um, and find, and lost their, you know, the, the, the easy places, an easy place mm -hmm. of being connected is you go to work. You don't have to, you know, Mm -hmm. Go find it out. And so when people uh, leave work, uh, or as is happening now, people are working from home, isolation is a bigger issue. So definitely great, great stuff on the social. Um, and, and I love the bonus of doing good. I, I would almost put that as a separate, you know, category of um, contribution, you know, that, that, that part of what drives us in life is that need to contribute. Yeah. So let's talk some about how you do those pieces. I can share some too, but how, how do you uh, how do you do the check marks for all of those areas? Well, again, I think that uh, if we start with the health and fitness area, and I consciously 
get to the gym three times a week in addition to taking a yoga class. Uh, I also, uh, it's surprising, but if you try to eat healthy, you get used to it after a while. Uh, it, I, I point out, to, I, I'm a little legendary in my office in that uh, I pointed out that there are several kinds of things that, that people should be able to do to stay uh, from stay away from eating the wrong things. One of which is if you don't plan to eat something, don't do it just because it's available. I work in an office where sometimes vendors will bring in desserts or donuts or things of that nature. I used to, uh, before I, I really start, started concentrating on this, I used to take my clue from, is it there? Because if it's there, I better grab it because other people will, and then it won't be there later. Uh, I've changed that to, you know, am I hungry? Did I plan to eat it? And if I didn't, then, then don't do it. Uh, there's some other things that I try and do at home and encourage people to do. Uh, one is with snacks. Uh, where you watch TV is not a dining room for most people. It's not a kitchen. It's not you know, eating should be done in specified areas. So if I want, uh, you know, say potato chips, which is one of the few junk foods that I, I like, uh, I have to get up, go, go to the kitchen, take out. I try and take if they're if they're really well formed, I take out six at a time. Then I wrap up the thing, put it back. If I need more, I'm going to have to go through that process again. That's pretty discouraging. So, uh, again, I try to do a few tricks, not, not, you know, major ones. Uh, the other thing that I, I think from a diet standpoint, I do, I have, uh, you know, two or three cups of coffee and sometimes a glass of wine at dinner. But the only other thing I drink is water. And that's, I was never fat, but that's helped with uh, weight loss over, over the years. In terms of intellectual functioning, as I said, I, uh, uh, continue to work full time. Now, I don't know how long that'll be. So I do work on transitioning things. So my wife and I do go to uh, one major lecture, do subscribe to one major lecture series. We live in an area where we uh, have access to, to other lectures. We also uh, subscribe to two concert series and, and a theater series. Uh, I do try to always be reading a book, uh, either in uh, a regular format or, or e-book. Um, and, and that's a struggle sometimes when you're busy. But again, it's, it's a little bit like staying hungry if, uh, you know, if you're hungry. Uh, and then, uh, again, I try and stay conscious with social involvement. It's the very nature of the work that I do. I, I work uh, in a medical school, which means that every year we get some of the brightest people in the world replenished as interns and residents and so on. And, uh, and that's very helpful. Uh, but I try to avoid people who are negative. I try to avoid people who don't enjoy life as much as I do. I just think that, um, you know, it's, it's very easy to get brought down. You know, there's, there's enough, lousy stuff going on in the world. And if you uh, go and seek it from your friends, that that's going to work against you. Negativity is is bad for the brain. Positive stuff is, is very good for the brain. Doing good for others 
as part of that is is an important part of the brain. And and again, I we try and be involved. Uh, the very nature of my work is uh, Im- involves me with uh, doing, hopefully doing good for for patients. But we also uh, are involved with some charities locally. That's great. So uh, I just I'll briefly kind of run through my pieces of this. Um, my crisis came, uh, it's been 18 years now, uh, when the doctor said, hey, you know, you've got this life-threatening illness, you're going to be disabled. So that woke me up. I was I was not taking care of myself mm-hmm. at that point. And so my link in with health and fitness was when I was recovering from that, their, the diagnosis was correct, their prognosis not so much, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... Um, so here's the stair step. My wife said, you know what? You need to do some things that you have put off. And one was learning to scuba dive. That's an intellectual and a physical pursuit. Mm-hmm. Also social. You don't go dive by yourself. You know, so in mm-hmm. some ways, I, uh, there, I chose something right off that was all three. So I go to class and we have to take a swim test. And I'm a stubborn guy. So I kept swimming long past when I was out of gas because I was not going to give up on, you know, passing that swim test. But when I pulled myself out of the pool, I turned to the instructor and said, I get the point. I need to be in better shape. That really wasn't his point. He wanted to make sure we weren't Mm -hmm. going to drown ourselves, but that, that was it for me. So the next day, that was a Sunday afternoon, Monday, I was in the gym. So I started slow. I, I I mean, I was at least smart about that. I started slow did their beginning. It was a YMCA. So they had, you know, how to get into shape thing. Just started some basic, uh, strength, um, stuff, strength work, strength work with weights and such. One day it occurred to me that if I went home and ate junk food after exercising, I just wasted everything I'd spent energy on. So Getting in shape in some ways ended up being kind of a linchpin, a habit, you know, that once I had figured out that the, the linchpin was if I just started one thing, it let it kind of dominate in others. And I think that's one of the things that we often miss that we can domino these pieces. So I start this and I, you know, it expands outward. So I was exercising, started eating better. Um, I've always been intellectual. You know, I've always enjoyed reading new things and being exposed to new things. So that wasn't hard. Social is a little bit more of a a thing for me. I am an introvert. Uh, I'm not naturally an easy person in a crowd. One person I'm, I'm good with, but, uh, you know, I don't go to a party and start striking up conversations. And so I've had to find ways of doing that in small groups. And I think that really is an important thing of saying, okay, how do I do social? How do I naturally do that? How do I best do that? Not social or not, but how do I do it? The things that I do now, um, so I, I do, uh, my dog and I walk five miles a day. Uh, that's not a um, social thing. Oh, it is. He and I enjoy it. But, you know, mm-hmm. I try to listen to a book, though. So at that time, I'm trying to do a little intellectual stuff. At the same time, I'm doing a little health and fitness. I also do some strength training and some high-intensity interval training. Um, just started doing some rowing. Started jujitsu, which I, I was thinking about that. Jiu-jitsu, health and fitness for sure. It's also intellectual because I'm having to think in new ways. You know, it's forcing me to think through different pieces. It's kind of like a chess match when you're sparring and it's social. You know, I'm holding on to people (laughs) (laughs) tight little ways. And it's interesting how all those fit together. So 
um, my thing is, is to is to say, man, uh, Ron, you're pointing out such important things. Also, uh, I'll, I, I try to do good. Um, you know, the podcast is about helping people. So I think about that and do some volunteer work and other pieces. So I, I certainly feel that giving back, contributing is an essential part of meaning. One of the things that we haven't talked about is all of this is based in the idea that um, – we all have a common uh, end point. We don't know what it's going to be, but we all have an end point. And I think what I hear behind you is how can you live best between here and whenever that is? You don't have any control over that. Correct. Um, if I could, there's a couple of things you mentioned that I would uh, like to react to because I think they're important. One of which is I think it all really starts with the mindset. In other words, what you've uh, pointed out is when you've had challenges, it wasn't an either or thing. It's how do we make things happen? And I think that, that there's a real difference in terms of the way that people sometimes react in that regard. So I think that's important. Um, I think the other is how these things dovetail uh, amongst each other, even without a lot of effort in that regard. I know once I started taking yoga classes, um, Nobody ever told me to eat differently. Uh, the this was, but over the last eight or nine years since I've been doing it regularly, uh, we've gone to much more of a, not a fully plant based diet, but much more of one, much less of a meat based one. Uh, you know, red meat is uh, maybe a once a week kind of thing. Uh, yeah, do more fish, and and again, it just. There are things that just don't appeal to me as much as when I was, I'd say, less healthy. I don't think I was unhealthy, but when I was less healthy. So I think that that's an important, you know, thing to uh, to consider uh, how these things dovetail sometimes without even thinking about it. But the the uh, to get to the, the question before I diverted myself from from your question is, I think. The reality is we don't know how long we, we're going to be around. The question is, do we want a good quality of life or how long we're going to do that? Do we want to be able to have as much control over our quality of life as possible? Or uh, just like this good stuff dovetails, I think passivity, depression, all these things, uh, not taking care of yourself, I think they dovetail too. If you begin to see yourself uh, in a particular way, then you legitimize what that nurse, the, the nurses uh, uh, approached us with, that, that then you become the caricature of the older type person. Um, the, and there's, there's some way of understanding that. I mean, uh, in 1935, Social Security started, and the retirement age was 65. Uh, when I was born in 1937, uh, that was the last year that the, the projected lifespan for a male was less than 60 years. So there wasn't a whole lot of incentive to think about, you know, what's going to happen after you retire, because if you made it, then okay, then maybe you deserve to, to sit on the couch. Now it's a totally different ballgame. Uh, the largest growth in population is among the older ages. So again, you can have a better quality of life. You can have a worse quality of life. 
I I fully recognize that genetics factors into this, but you want to control as much as possible or you're being irresponsible to yourself. Sometimes we make genetics as kind of the, the last word, and epigenetics is a growing field. We're realizing that we have a lot more control on how that expression happens. So uh, sometimes people say, well, you know, you're a slave to genetics. My parents didn't live long or, or something else, and they haven't asked the question you know, what, what are the pieces they have control? That's the epigenetic question. So great stuff. Sure. So, so Ron, you're, um, I want to talk a little bit about your, you've got two books. Hmm. Let's talk about those books because you're not just spouting off here. Uh, this is research based. And so tell us a little bit about, um, the, uh, let's see, there's a book on mindset and then your book on aging. So can you just highlight those a little bit? Sure. Uh, I think it was 2011 that I wrote my book on what can go right, which is an ebook, but I'm updating it. Uh, there are a few things I used Lance Armstrong as an example at that time. We've got to change some things. Uh, and I've added some things in terms of my own theory, but it's uh, a positive psychology based book. What can go right? What, uh, the thinking person's guide to making good things happen again, uh, and, and that was an outgrowth of my work with patients. It was I, I, it was really surprising to me when people would discuss challenges with me, um, and I would throw out that question, "What can go right?" Uh, and it was almost like like I shocked them. I mean, people would come back say, uh, "I can tell you what can go wrong," or "I never thought of this." Um, and, and I do remember one patient thought that I must have misspoken. She said, did, did you say what can go wrong? I can, you know, it, so uh, I wanted to make that a, a, a real part of the lexicon. When, when you face challenges, think in terms of what can go right. It's not a guarantee that it will, but you at least have to consider those things because that gives you a basis for acting to make that happen. Um, it's got, we have that fear, that um, defensive fear brain, which is always look and, and when you know, as you said, you can't always predict if it's going to go right, but you also can't predict if it's going to go wrong. You know, people come up with fifty ways it's going to go wrong, and forty nine or fifty are going to be wrong. So, <laughs> what's the danger? Yeah. And you can say that about anything. You know, when you start college, if you want to focus on what can go wrong, uh, people who are making lots of money playing professional sports. Uh, you know, if they gave up and, and didn't pursue and didn't practice, I mean, you know, you can say that about anything. And I, I think that it's important to not short yourself when it comes to, to your own uh, personal growth. For sure. Uh, so the, go ahead about the rejuvenating. Let's yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we have something in common in that we both have our own words with you with <laughs> thrivology and me with rejuvenating. Uh, which, you know, basically is kind of like your concept of retooling that I, I think it I wanted to address the fact that there's a broad range of uh, things available in aging, including retirement, including uh, uh, staying with uh, your work on a full or part time basis. But my observations over time and my reading of, of science and research suggests that enthusiasm with the way that you address these things is a really key component. In other words, the mindset, the positive mindset, the recognition that um, 
this can be a great time in life is an important thing. Now, there are other books out in this uh, in, in this genre. There are uh, we're outnumbered by the books that talk about Alzheimer's and, uh, you know, poor health and things of this nature, uh, medications. But we're outnumbered, but there are some. But I tried to put it into a very useful formula with seven keys to rejuvenating and 71 specific behaviors that people could do that fit into these different areas that I've highlighted. Um, most people are doing some of them. Some people won't want to do any of them or, or won't want to do a certain number of them. I think it can be useful to uh, be able to incorporate some of the things there in an organized way in your lifestyle. In other words, I think just like going to college, just like pursuing a career, just like working on a marriage and raising children, there are guidelines that can, can help you. You can modify them for your specific situation, but this gives you a starting point. And again, it operates from a positive psychology standpoint and from a strength-based growth-oriented model. That's great. So you've put uh, some stuff together for people. Uh, the books are great, but some people are like, okay, so I, I want something to, to, to start with, you know, some little tiny steps. So um, on your website, you've got some change activators, some ways for people to get busy. What Can you talk a little bit about what's there and, and how to get there? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, the the website is called The Mental Health Gym. So it's uh, www.thementalhealthgym.com. Got to put The Mental Health Gym in there. Um, and when people sign up, we, we call it joining the gym, but it essentially puts you on the mailing list. So in addition to other things that will be forthcoming, there are right now there are three uh, change activators, things that you can utilize to when you want to make a change in a specific direction, uh, incorporating uh, certain general principles. I have developed what I call the type P personality, which uh, emphasizes things like uh, uh, personal goal uh, orientation, being positive, proactive, persistent, passionate, and playful. Uh, and this gives you some way of monitoring, are you doing each of these activities? And which? And if you want to change specific ones, uh, there's something like an exercise card you would get at the gym to show your progress on it. So those are on there now. We're soon going to be adding the uh, mental health gym diet lifestyle. It's not a specific diet, but uh, a way of incorporating healthy eating into your lifestyle. And uh, by May, which I'm trying to uh, promote as Rejuvenating Month, uh, I'm going to offer one of the chapters, the chapter on mindset, where I think everything begins with that, to people who join the gym will, will be able to get that. Uh, I plan to roll out a number of other kinds of things, including a, a, a course uh, in the near future. Uh, so I encourage people, I mean, obviously I'm a little biased, but I encourage people to join the gym and they'll be able to be, uh, be able to access all of this information, uh, there is, and, uh, we also are present on social media. So, and you don't wait till May to go to get that chapter because you'll make sure that they get it if they sign up right now. So right. yeah, uh, the so, dental health gym is active and you know, we're ready to take your, 
your membership. So, uh, and so let me just give that again, the mental health gym and that's G Y M not yes. the name gym, but the, very good. Health gym. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm you, usually pretty good at saying that. Uh, you you got to go to the gym it. and this is the yeah. mental health gym.com. Um, and by the way, this is not, um, you know, you don't wait until, uh, some certain age where this all works. It works at any age. And the earlier you start, the easier it is to get those gears moving and, and to make those shifts just because there's less inertia behind it, not because you couldn't start at any age, but why wait? You know, wherever you are, it's a great time to get started. Now, Ron, we've talked this whole time. Um, I've already admitted that I'm right at 53. Um, tell us your age, if you don't mind. Well, I, if you did the math when I told you when I was born, you could probably figure out I'm 81. 81. Amazing. So 81, full-time. Uh, working still and uh, not just run, working, but running a program and uh, hitting the gym, hitting yoga, um, doing some great stuff as a great example, not of wait until 80 to get started, but a great example that you do it now so that you're, you know, you're ready to go and, and rolling uh, when those transitions come. Ron, thank you so much for all that you shared. Uh, one more time, tell people how to find your stuff. Okay, it's www.thementalhealthgym, G-Y-M is the website. The book is available in all three formats, uh, both uh, a soft cover version as well as an ebook, which did make it into the Amazon uh, top sellers in its category. And uh, for those of you who are Audible's readers, uh, there is an audio version. All of them are available at Amazon. just put in rejuvenating and it'll get you there. Thanks for sharing, Ron. Well, thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed talking with you. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.